You are listening to an audio from Redemption City Church. If you would like to explore more resources or donate to this ministry, go to www.visitredemptioncc.com. In the time before Christ, the Jews went through a time of exile. While in exile, they would build temples scattered away from their homeland. During that time, a city named Ephesus was created by the Greeks and taken by the Romans. Roman rulers would connect the world with Rhodes. Paul was able to capitalize on both. Scattered Jewish temples connected by the Roman Empire Rhodes which led Paul to Ephesus, where he pastored for a while, left and then wrote them the letter, titled Ephesians. The lie is that things will always be the way they are. Broken people, broken churches. The truth is that you can become a new man with a new heart and a new mind. The people who follow Christ can be one body, one church, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father to all. Ephesians. Well, good morning. Even during this season right now with the coronavirus, I um, am so thankful to be able to say that I am truly doing good in Jesus too. And I and I really hope you are as well. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up right now to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. As we continue forward in our series, our Ephesians series is titled Our Story into God's Story. I want to remind you that this series, especially if this is your first time listening in, this series is all about discovering who you are in light of Christ. And now that we're moving into chapter four, we're deep in there now, right? We're, we're tracking deep into chapter four. It's all about discovering because of what God has done and because of who he is, what has he now called you to do? And so last week, if you, for some reason, were not able to participate, part 15 was titled Our Spiritual Gifts and Talents Explained. It was segment A, and we covered the five major gifts that are talked about in Ephesians chapter 4. And so here's some of the things that we kind of learned as we have a little bit of review. We learned that the Lord gives us the most massive proverbial spiritual hug of gifts and blessings and riches and this position of adoption. And our natural response is as sons and daughters of the Lord is to hug the God of the universe back, right, by getting involved in his mission. And, and how do we do that? We get involved in his mission by being ourselves. Simply yet supernaturally in Christ being who God has called us to be and then we serve him with all of our hearts our minds and our souls and so we learn that the literal gospel message is that everything that we deserve right everything we've ever done wrongly that Jesus Jesus took it down into hell and he left it there but because he was perfect he lifted up out of hell and as he ascended to sit on the right hand of the father he went and gave us all good gifts and these are the spiritual gifts that we've been talking about. We learned that you have to have, you have to understand the character of God if we want to experience the peace of God, right? We want to understand who God is. What is his character, his mercy, his grace, redemption. It's out of understanding the character of God that we get to experience the amazing 
peace of God. We learn that God doesn't promise us in this life that it's going to get easier. Remember that? He doesn't promise that life is going to get easier. But the Bible says that our lives always, always get better. Because remember, life, man, life is broken. We are all men and women with many broken pieces. But life gets better as we, as Bible-believing, Christ-exalting Christians, gaze towards eternity. And as we do that, we have a renewed focus and direction and purpose. And most importantly, we have a renewed hope. We learn that people are literally waiting for us. This is why we want to get in the game. People, God has people literally waiting for us on the other side of our faith, right? So as we grow in our faith and we trust the Lord, there are people that God has specifically called us to minister to. So we, so I exhorted you that we have to stop being lost boys and lost girls on the planet with no aim that's worthy of dedicating our lives to. We want to dedicate our lives to Christ's mission. We also learned that there's a huge, massive, gigantic difference between I have to do something anthem versus I get to do something. And for us as Christ followers, we want to step into the great opportunity that we get to do these amazing things for the glory of God, and that's to use the gifts he's given us. And then Finally, we learned that there are five major gifts explained in Ephesians 4, the, the, the big five, right? And we and we laid those out. So I'm going to lay them out for you again. It's going to be on your screen. Here's the favor, the five major gifts. It's the gift of being an apostle, the gift of being the an evangelist. It's the gift of being a pastor or a shepherd. These words are sort of synonymous. The gift of being a prophet or the gift of being a teacher. And remember, we all fall into at least one of these gift sets. Some of us have more than others, right? To, to some, God gave one or two or three. And so the key isn't to envy or to desire other people's gift, but to be faithful, radically faithful with what God has specifically given you. Because remember, after all, we didn't deserve any of them, did we? None of them. You tracking? Jesus literally paid the price for us, right? He brought our accounts back to zero because we owed everything. We were spiritually impoverished. We were we were dead to rights. And Jesus on the cross paid for that. So any extra blessing we get, any gift we get is simply a blessing. And that brings us to today for part 16 of our series. If you could believe it, we're on part 16 titled Our Spiritual Gifts and Talents Explained. And now we're moving into segment B. And the title is Focusing on our gifts purpose, okay? Focusing on our gifts purpose. And so we're going to be talking about that now for the next hour or so. And so here's one more thing to remind you of. And this is our aim throughout the Ephesians series. If this is your first time kind of leaning in with us for this series, no matter how much or how little you've read the book of Ephesians, right? No matter if you've went to school and seminary and you've studied the Bible professionally, or this is literally your first time engaging with the Bible, our hope at Redemption City Church is that you would have an experience and an encounter with the living relational God of the universe today like you've never had before. Okay, let's let's just jump right into things because my aim for today in this sermon and throughout this part of Ephesians is to help you develop a vision of who you are in the body of Christ and to discover your gifts. And you ready? Discover your gifts and to 
integrate your gifts or or at least return to your gifts, right? So maybe maybe you wandered away from living a Christ-centered life. You've wandered away from your purpose. You've wandered away from your call, or you've wandered away from using the gifts God's given you. We want to encourage you to come back to Jesus. Or perhaps you are dwelling in your gifts and your purpose and your call, but you have insecurities, and we want to help you move away from insecurity into radical confidence in Christ based upon Scripture. I want you to be so excited. You, 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 you're getting this? I want you to be so excited as a part of the body of Christ that you are overwhelmed with the opportunity that you have to be a son or daughter of the Lord and to express your very important part in his family. Keep tracking with me. I want you to be radically comfortable in your own skin. You hear what I'm saying? I want you to be radically comfortable in your own skin. And that means being excited about your part, not my part, not my gifts, not his gifts, not their gifts, but your gifts, your part in the kingdom. Like, it, it's cool to be excited about your brothers and sisters' part and gifts in the kingdom, as long as it's to spur them on and to encourage them, but not because you want to do their part. You tracking with me? Like, focus on doing your part. Focus on learning your gifts. And when you focus on who God has created you to be, simply yet supernaturally. You'll be set so free and you'll be so satisfied with who God made you to be and how God has wired you to live that you'll be able to last and run your race. And that's our hope today. So really, it all starts with letting God give us that big spiritual hug, right? Right? To comfortably sit in the beautiful spiritual hug found in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 of his glory and his majesty and his mercy and his redemption and his forgiveness in the sum total of our position of adoption. We need to be so quick, ready? You need to be so quick to reciprocate the hug back to the God of the universe by getting in his mission. We got to be radical about this mission. And that's what we want to get going in our lives. We want to get doing that. That's the point of where we're at right now in this series. But, but hear me out. Okay, hear me out. We're not going to be able to do this well. This conversation about spiritual gifts, we cannot rush through this because this is an important conversation. We're going to be faithful and we're going to take our time in this little section about spiritual giftings because the best things in life, how many agree with this? The best things in life take two things. Time, time and patience. They take time and patience. Like, think about the best meals you've ever had from maybe your grandma or on Thanksgiving or a family reunion. Like, the best meals have incredible ingredients and details in them, don't they? Like, you have to dice and saute the onions and, and you gotta wash and, and clean the lettuce. You have to sauce and marinate the chicken and you have to roll and, and bake the bread and so on and so forth. And um, so when you're patient and you're willing to take the time, how many know that home cooked meals, man, there's nothing better. There's going to a restaurant can never ever compare. Store-bought things can't, can't do it. Well, in a similar way, I want to prepare the best possible meal on this spiritual gifts conversation that I can, okay? But that means I can't proverbially microwave it in an oven and just have a quick conversation about it. Like that's just not gonna, that's not gonna cut it. That would be a step towards just building information instead of relationship. And here's my heart for you as your pastor. I want to deepen your relationship with the text and the God of the universe before just providing you with a bunch of information. You can go on Google and do that for yourself. Just type in spiritual gifting 
we're not gonna we're not gonna do that faithfully at Redemption City Church. That's why I'm trying to set up this whole conversation with correct expectations today, so that we can both be focused and excited about the right things. Therefore, therefore, because I want to be faithful to all that God has for us in this conversation about spiritual gifts, I've decided today to break up what was planned to be the finish of the conversation into two sermons, right? We got two pieces. This is segment B, and next week we're going to do segment C to conclude things. Today, I'm going to be focusing on building a strong biblical exhortation and argument to deepen my understanding and your understanding and relationship with the purpose of your spiritual gifts. You tracking? The purpose of your gifts, not just an explanation about what the gifts are. We want to lean into the purpose of gifting, not just an explanation of what the gifts are. So today I'm also going to be listing all these peripheral gifts out. So we've we've talked about the five, the five major gifts. I'm going to lay out all the peripheral gifts um, that are discussed in the Bible as well. But I want first and foremost, as your pastor, to make sure that we're not getting caught up in dissecting everything today. Now, next week, I promise to wrap up this conversation and to kind of start filling things open and dissecting everything with a more literal and direct conversation. But, but today, it's so important that we don't skip steps, that we lean into the purpose of our giftings in a deeper, deeper way. Therefore, sit tight, buckle up, let's, let's get ready for this journey. If you haven't printed out your roadmaps, you're filling the blanks, I'm gonna ask that you pause the video and that you do that right now. Here's why. I really want you to follow along as a student learner today because we're gonna do something really awesome at the end of today's sermon that directly involves your roadmap. So you're gonna really want that. This is gonna be an amazing thing that we're gonna to do towards the end of the sermon. So um, because I want you to eat all that God has for you today and next week, um, that roadmap is gonna be very important. Okay, let's just let's start marching forward right now in verse 11 through 13. Here's the word of the Lord, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So this leads to our first, so who are we? And here it is. This is on your screen. We are a people called to lean into the overarching goal to look and to smell and to act like Jesus in our character and directional decisions as we activate the good gifts that he's given us. Now, remember, we talked about why I wear these WWJD bracelets on my left wrist daily and faithfully. I got it on right now. If you can see it right here, I got a purple one on today. And, and why I've encouraged our men at Redemption City Church to join me in wearing them as well. Listen, the main reason that I'm doing this is because daily I want to be considering what would Jesus do so that I would begin to think more like he thinks and then act more like Jesus acts. So it's just, it has no power. It's, it's not mystical, but it's a daily faithful reminder of what would Jesus do. Now, if you ever want to have a litmus test, um, if I, or if I want one or if you want to know how you're doing in your Christ-centered walk with the Lord, all we have to do is actually look to Matthew and to Jesus' words. So we're going to do that now. I'm going to show you that in the text in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Here's what Jesus said. But seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. All things will be added to you. Listen, this means that you don't have to worry about every single detail about what you're going to do or who you're going to be. It's just one step, tracking with me, one step at a time. Now, isn't that great news? If you are seeking first the kingdom of God and being right before the God of the universe in your actions, in your thought life, then everything else is going to take care of itself. The Bible promises that. Like, listen, your, your marriage is going to take care of itself when you're putting God first. You tracking? Like your career, your destinational goals that you have, they're going to resolve themselves. They're going to take care of themselves when you are seeking God first. Seek ye the kingdom first. Your finances are going to be God glorifying when you are submitting them and seeking God first. Like, like, can't you see when we pursue God above all things, we don't have to worry and stress out about if our desires are wrong or if our desires are, are right or are, are we being selfish or not or not because God is going to be at the center of everything you're doing. So when we literally seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we can relax under the beautiful bosom of our heavenly father. Now it keeps going on in verse 13 this way. Let's, it's going to be on your screen now. Ephesians 4 verses 13 through 15. Let's keep tracking. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children. Wow tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human, human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Now, have you ever thought about how bold and how blunt Jesus was. I mean, think about it. I mean, the guy got murdered at only the age of 33. Like Jesus was literally ticking people off. But here's the thing. Did you know every single thing that Jesus did and every single thing that Jesus said, it was true, but he always did it in great love. He never compromised truth, but he always did it with great love. So when you have the truth and you know the word of God and you speak it to your brothers and your sisters or your sons or your daughters or your mother or your father or your friends, like we are able to do it like Jesus. We can do it with truth and with love, with the type of quiet bluntness and boldness about it all. Okay, now let's look at verse 16 because this is going to be part of our main focus today, right? This is going to be part of our main focus as we keep building out these this conversation on gifting so we connect it all together as the body of Christ. And so here we go, verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Therefore, therefore, we are all joined and held together. You tracking with me? Isn't, isn't that what we've been talking about for the last several sermons? Unity in the faith, unity in the spirit, unity in the bond of peace, about being unified and joined together. But here's the real question. You ready? Here's the real question. How are we held together? Like, how are we literally held together? 
Well, verse six, 16 reveals how this happens, right? Like, look, look, on, look on the screen. Look at what I've underlined on the screen. It's underlined for you. Here it is. By every joint with which it is equipped. You tracking? Did you catch that? We are joined and held together by ourselves, by each and every one of us, you and me, who are equipped. We're equipped with gifts. And this equipment that we have is given to us by Jesus when he gave us these good spiritual gifts. We, we are each incredibly gifted. We are so special, but, but here's what's also true. If we do not use our spiritual gifts as the body of Christ, if we do not collide and use these spiritual gifts, we are no longer held together. Our joints don't work. And that's a sobering, sobering reality. Therefore, we are, we are joined together, not only supernaturally as sons and daughters and brothers and sisters in the Lord, but we are joined together naturally. You tracking? We're joined together naturally when we collide our gifts together just to serve one another. Like when I know my gifts and I share them with you and you benefit from them and then you know your gifts and you activate them and you then share them with me, this collision, this, this beautiful dance of sharing our gifts and our talents together of teaching and pastoring and prophesizing and governing and evangelizing. When we do these things, we grow each other up. You tracking? We, we grow each other up and we, and we fill all these important deficits that we all have and our bodies are strengthened and we're able to live more more rightly, more fully, more, more vibrantly. So, so every joint is providing stability and strength. Okay. I want you, I want you to say that out loud. Every joint is providing stability and strength to the next part of the body. And this, and this is what makes us a beautiful body of Christ. Now, as verse 16 ends by telling us that when we do this correctly, this is what it says at the end of verse 16, when we do this correctly, it ends with all of us growing well together. And this is to be done in love. This is to be done in love. Now, Pastor Jack spent some time laying out what love is in 1 Corinthians, right? Over two sermons, he kind of broke down what love is over those two sermons. And so we're going to take a, a brief look back at 1 Corinthians right now, chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Keep, keep leaning in with me. We're building a beautiful, beautiful bridge. Here's the word of the Lord. Paul said, as he's inspired by the God of the universe, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Therefore, as we bring all of our gifts to the forefront, right? When you and me, when we bring our gifts to the forefront and we use them, as we lay our gifts on the altar, when we walk in the spirit of, I, I get to use my gifts and not that I have to use my gifts, the Bible is telling us, this is what it's saying, the Bible is telling us we are to do this in a way that is lovingly patient and considerate of one another. The Bible is telling us not to envy each other's gifting or to be boastful or to be arrogant when we are operating strongly in our gifts. Don't do that with arrogance or boastfulness. That's not loving, right? And ultimately, we want to walk unified as the body of Christ, exercising our gifts. And the only way we're going to be unified, exercising our individual, is a key word, as we do individual gifts, the only way that we can do this in a unified way is to do it in love. Like this is why I exhorted in part 13 of our Ephesians series about how important it is 
in Ephesians and how it lays it out, how important it is to walk out this path of life. Do you remember what we talked about? It was called the sit, walk, and stand anthem. We're going we're gonna to look at that again right now, the sit, walk, and stand anthem. It's going to be on your screen. Here's, here's, a, here's a mini review. First, we need to sit confidently under the beautiful weight of chapters one through three that reveal all of who God is and all of what God has done for us. Until we understand that, we're gonna miss everything. We're gonna, we're gonna do all of our actions, all of our, all of, everything we do in our Christian walk is gonna be out of, out of our own energy, not out of a love and a reverence for what God has first done for us. Remember, he chose you before you ever did anything for him. And then secondly, after you sit, right? So if you want to, man, if you, if you feel like your life is out of sorts, if you feel like your walk with the Lord is not where you want it, the word of God says this, first sit and know that he is God. Sit and know that he is God and that he's good and that he's for you, that he's chose you, that he's redeemed you, that he's forgiven you and all these things that are talked about in chapters one through three. Then as you strengthen in your confidence about who God is, we are then to walk and act by faith in a manner that reveals by our actions that we have truly accepted and are relishing in the reality of what's talked about in chapters one through three. That's what we're currently talking about right now, folks, how to walk out who we are by activating our gifts based upon the foundation of chapters one through three. And then finally, later in the Ephesians series, we're gonna learn how to stand tracking we're gonna learn how to stand and fight and guard against the enemy's desire to break this whole thing apart including our ability to be a unified body so so that's our overall goal and right now we really need to figure out this walking part it's so important we need to figure out how to walk our gifts out together as a family in Christ we need to do this together in a loving way you hear what I'm saying? We got to do this in a loving way. No dissension, no strife, no hatred, no envying other people's gifting, no complaining about your own gifts. We need to be implementing this within our homes. We all have different gifts. They also collide in our homes. How do we collide together our gifts? How do we honor each other well with our gifts? God has so much for us here. So let's pray right now as we move deeper into this message today. And let's ask the God of the universe to help us to study well this morning as I exhort the word of God. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we have read your word and we ask a blessing upon it this morning. We just went through, Lord, quickly, Lord, these verses from 7 through 16. We believe that faith comes from hearing the word of God. That's why we've done that. And we believe that edification comes from dwelling and understanding the word of God. And that's what we're working on. And as we believe that fruit comes by walking out the word of God, by actually doing what you say in scripture, Jesus, by literally flexing our muscles of the faith, man, and as we believe that good, good fruit comes by bearing good fruit and by having strong and sturdy roots. And we believe that though we get to be ambassadors displaying and bearing good fruit, we know and we acknowledge this morning that you are the only one that can sustain us. You are the only one that can provide the roots. So therefore, Abba Father, many of us are doing our very best to be great fruit bearers for your kingdom by exposing ourselves to your word in gospel-centered community. You are the great supplier and establishing all things that we need we understand and we acknowledge that you are the source of our power. So we're asking that you would empower us and enrich us this morning. 
Just like a plant that receives water grows faithfully and slowly over time, we want to grow faithfully and slowly to be more and more like your son. And that means we need to understand who we are and what our purpose is and how that plays out with our gifts. And that means we need to then do something about it. Therefore, Holy Spirit, help us today in this second half of this conversation so that we can activate into the beautiful nature of who you've called us to be. It's because of your beautiful name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 17. This is what it says. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So, so, so right off the back, James' little brother, uh, sorry, Jesus' little brother, James, is reminding us that all good gifts come from the chief giver of who is God. Period. All good gifts come from God. Therefore, these spiritual gifts that we've been talking about so far, of being a pastor, shepherd, evangelist, apostle, um, all these, all these different gifts, they're not about us. They're not primary about us. You tracking? They, like these are not your great ideas. Um, these are not your great plans. They're not my great ideas. They're not my great plans. But rather, it's about God calling you and calling me out. You see what I'm saying? He called you out. He called me out, and then He gave us something beautiful. And from there. All we're doing and all we're deciding is what we're going to do about that. God called us out. He gave us good gifts. How are we now going to respond to that? Therefore, Jesus is saying that my ultimate plan is to grow you into maturity as I prepare you for eternity. You tracking? The whole, this is Jesus' ultimate plan, is to grow you into maturity as he prepares you for eternity eternity and giving you good spiritual gifts that have fitness and alignment with how you are uniquely and individually wired is a big piece of that plan. I'm going to say that to you again. A huge piece of helping you grow into maturity to prepare you for eternity is to uniquely shape you with a gift that's specifically tailored for you to grow into maturity. So this whole Christian life is wrapped up in a loving demonstration of giving. The whole Christian life is wrapped up in a loving demonstration from God, by God, of giving. Now, let me show you what I mean, and I want you to check out what I'm calling the good gift pyramid that I've made for you to help you see this well. Okay, so so here it goes. This is the good gift giving pyramid. So, you see, God gave us Jesus as a gift first. You see that? God gave us Jesus. That was the first gift. Then, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit as a gift. Right? And so we're able now to have this relationship and we're empowered. And how is this empowering happen? Ready? The Holy Spirit gave gifts to the body of Christ. That's me and you, sons and daughters of the Lord. The Holy Spirit gave us gifts. Then, the body of Christ, that's me and you, in and of ourselves become a gift to each other and the world around us. Now, now here's the best thing about how the God of the universe laid all this out. You ready? God made sure to give you a gift before inviting you to the party. Man, that's good news. God gave you the gift before inviting you to the party. I mean, just think about it. There's nothing worse than going to a party or a wedding party without a, without a gift, right? Like God made sure that that did not happen to you and to me. He went out of his way, dying to save, to make sure you came into this Christian party of life 
carrying good gifts. I'm going to say it again because I'm saying, I'm saying deep truth to you. God went out of his way, sending his son Jesus, dying to save, to make sure you came into this Christian life with good gifts so that you could last through suffering and trials and afflictions and all these things that happen. Like, can't you see? God gave you gifts so that you could participate in his kingdom purposes. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't call you into his mission and leave you ill-equipped. He called you and equipped you simultaneously. Like, the whole Christian life is wrapped up in giving as an act of worship. So, so God gave us Jesus. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave us good gifts. We get to be good gifts to each other and the world. The whole thing's about giving, lifting up the renown and the glory of God by giving our time and our talents and our resources, using our talents and our gifts. Are, are you starting to see how this all comes together? Now, Many people watching this sermon right now, you may be thinking, I don't really know what my spiritual gifts are. And that's why I'm really intrigued by this part of the sermon. And you may, be, you may be tempted right now to just be like, gosh, can you just give me the explanation of the gifts? Hey, hey, don't jump there yet. Hey, you may even be thinking, Pastor Brandon, I, I really love the church. I, I really love God, but I don't really know exactly who I am or my purpose or my calling. Like, maybe because of your insecurities, you, you jump to that conclusion often, that you don't know your calling or your purpose. Or maybe, maybe um, you are so focused on your gifts and operating them that you're not seeing the whole body collectively as a whole. Maybe you're on one side or the other. You know, this sort of reminds me of a young man that I once coached in California, and we're going to refer to him as Nick to protect his identity, but I think this is a beautiful imagery and example to help you understand what God is trying to communicate to us in the Bible. So let me tell you this little story. So, 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 so Nick was, we're going to give him, his name's going to be Nick to protect him, okay? So Nick was a super amazing high school basketball player who had an amazing jump shot. In fact, he, he held the record for having the highest three-point percentage and shot makes in the whole area. I mean, Nick, Nick was amazing. And so he made the decision after graduating that he wanted to try out for a division one basketball team. So it was always his dream and his goal since he was like nine years old that he wanted to be a starting point guard for a division one basketball team. Okay. So he tries out for this division one school and it's a three day tryout for walk-ons and he tries out and he works hard, but ultimately they do not decide to keep him. They did not see that he had that skill set. So he's going to the locker room, he's packing up his bags and it's it's the last, you know, because the trials are over, he didn't make the teams, he's, he's discouraged. And so all the coaches they've cleared out and they've already left, you tracking with me? So now Nick's leaving, the only person left is the, is the assistant coach who's gonna lock up the doors. And so he's walking out and Nick goes up to this, right? Up to this, to this assistant coach and he says, Oh, man, thanks, coach, for the opportunity. I, I really appreciate it. And the coach says, yeah, you know, I'm starting to work out for you. Um, I'm sure you'll have opportunities in the future. And so they're both walking out together. And they're just kind of talking and, 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 and catching up and talking about, you know, who knows what. And so Nick then leans in. He says, hey, you know, I, 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 I'm a really good shooter. I even held some records in my, in my hometown. And the assistant coach just stops right there. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me that you're, you're an excellent three-point shooter? And then you hold a record in your whole area. And Nick kind of looks at him. He's like, well, well, yeah. And so this coach says, hey, do you have some extra time? Would you like to go in the gym and, and show me your shot? And he's like, uh, yeah, sure. 
So they this is a true this is a true story. They literally go back into the gym. The coach opens up the assistant coach opens up the gym and Nick starts just draining threes from everywhere. Left side, right side, everywhere. He's just draining threes everywhere. And the coach is floored. He says, Nick, you gotta come back tomorrow. I'm gonna call the rest of the coaches. Nick says, okay, I'm gonna come back. They come back the next day, all five coaches, and Nick puts on a shooting clinic. Now there's a lot more in the story, but here's here's how it ends. They offer Nick. They offer Nick a spot on the team. He makes it. He makes a team because he was an excellent, excellent three-point shooter. Like, can't you see? Even though Nick wanted so badly to be on the team to fulfill his dream, and that's the key word, to fulfill his dream and his desire to be a starting and dynamic point guard, that was not his gift. Nor did other people that were wiser than him identify that as his gift. So they had to let him go. He wasn't in his right spot. He wasn't operating in his right talent. So he was getting ready to lose an important opportunity. But here's the thing. He was able to shoot the basketball extremely well, like really well. And once he put his focus on activating the right talent instead of trying to fulfill his own dream, with talents that he did not have, things got better for him. They got better for him. Now, notice I didn't say things got easier for Nick because they did not get easier for Nick. Listen, Nick still had to work very hard to earn a spot on the basketball in the basketball games. He had to strategize and come up with many creative ways to have a place to live and attend school there because the school was very expensive. And he was a walk-on. He didn't have a scholarship. Things weren't easy. He had to strategize and come up with um, ways to also provide food for himself. He had a really hard time, I remember, um, with finding like a social group of friends to hang out with. Like things did not get easier for Nick, but they definitely, definitely got better. You see, they got better because though life was still challenging and his college experience was difficult, he was now walking out his actual talent. And as he walked out his own talent given to him by the God of the universe, which was namely to be an excellent shooter, he found success open opportunities and peace with himself. Now, this means that things got better for Nick, even though things were not always easy for Nick. Now, this, is a, this isn't a perfect example of a talent that's now gonna cross over into a spiritual gift conversation, but I think you're able to see the point. And I'm just wondering right now how many of us today are still trying out for other teams in the body of Christ from a spiritual perspective, or how many of us are still trying out for all the wrong positions. Or maybe or maybe you've tried out for some things in, in your church and, and you were cut. You're cut from you're cut from it and you are now you're discouraged and you're and you're down because things haven't went well for you in your kingdom pursuit in in local churches and you're and you're kind of down or maybe you have tried out for the right team but you weren't very coachable. Is that you? Maybe you have tried out for the right team. You've been in a good, faithful church, but things have not worked out because you weren't coachable and you lost your opportunity because of sin the first time around. And now you're on the outside looking in, wishing you were able to play the game, but you're afraid of messing up again. You're scared like, man, if I step back into this, if I really let my heart go, if I really try to serve in God's kingdom, am I gonna get hurt again? Or am I gonna hurt other people? Am I gonna be accepted? Or am I not gonna be accepted? But maybe, just maybe you do have a place in God's kingdom. You tracking? Just maybe you do have a place in God's kingdom. And maybe just maybe you do have a spot right here at Redemption City Church.
perhaps you're like Nick, and when you apply your talents and your gifts the wrong way, you're not able to function well, and you've been losing opportunities, but maybe just like Nick, if you can lean into who God has called you to be, if you can activate your gifts and your talents, you'll experience that life gets better. I want that. I want that for you so, so much. Like, really, as all you are, are you truly just a seat warmer at this church? Like, is that all you are, as a seat warmer at church and the world around you? You have nothing else to offer? Like, really? Like, I don't believe that. Is the only thing you can do is to consume? Do you really believe you have nothing to contribute to God's kingdom? Do you really believe that? Or is there a special God-given gift that's been given to you that maybe you don't know about or you just need some help fanning it into flame? Because brothers and sisters, let me encourage you right now. It is the latter and not the former. You are so special. You are so gifted. You are so talented. And you have a spot on God's team. You have a spot at Redemption City Church. you got to believe that by faith. Don't let the enemy tell you anything different. That's why it's so important that I keep being repetitive when I remind you that Jesus made you gifted. Not to terminate on yourself, though. You tracking? Your gifting is not to terminate on yourself, but it's so that you can become an amazing giver that he's called you to be. God gave Jesus so that Jesus could be a giver. Jesus left the right hand of the Father and the via the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came so that the Holy Spirit could be a giver. The Holy Spirit is what activates and gives us the power of our gifts so that we could be good givers for the glory of God. So who are we? We are a people called to joyfully activate our spiritual gifts and talents so that we can then be generous in giving them back to God through his mission. We are to recognize that our gifts are not primarily for ourselves, but for other brothers and sisters around us. Our lives get better, not necessarily easier, but better when we focus on our own gifts and talents, not others. So whether God gives you one gift or multiple gifts, have supreme confidence that you have a gift. I'm going to say that again. Whether you have one gift or multiple gifts, have confidence. You have a gift. Same thing for your talents. Whether you have one talent or 15 talents, have supreme confidence that you have a talent. Because you do. Now pay attention. You can only give what you have, and you only have what God has given you. I'm going to say it again. You can only give what you have, and you only have what God is giving you. So, therefore, don't get overwhelmed. The quantity of your gifts and your and your talents is not what's a big deal. That's not of chief priority. It's not about the quantity of your gifts. Don't get overwhelmed trying to give what you don't have. Stop doing that. You're exhausting yourself. You need to only give what you have, and you only have what God has given you. Focus on quality, not quantity. You tracking? Focus on quality, not quantity. Say to yourself, how can I be so faithful with what God has given me? Lord, I just want to be so faithful with what you've given me. Nothing else. I don't need more. I'm not asking for more. I just want to be faithful with what you've given me. Go to scripture and learn and discern who you are and what you have. And once you discover it, you be ferocious and you integrate that in your life and you give it all away. 
and you run your Hebrews chapter 12 race. You, you do that by faith because the best way to live is to give. The best way to live is to give because you can make a living by what you get. You tracking? You can always make a living by what you get, but if you can make a beautiful life and you can make a beautiful legacy by what you give. Anybody, anybody can make a living by what they get, but I'm telling you, you can build a beautiful life and legacy by what you give. Now, if your goal when you when you come into church is to give the, the least amount possible, but yet you are expecting the most return to you by God and other people, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be terribly disappointed every single time. Like, if you don't want to share your time and your talents and your gifts and your treasures with the church and its people, your church experience will be shallow, it will be frustrating, and it will be non-lasting. That's a promise. But if, 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 if you come to church with Christ-centered expectations every single time that God has a special word for you, if you come in, man, I, I know that, that God has a word for me today. If you come to church believing by faith that you are going to be filled, not maybe, that you are going to be filled up by the Holy Spirit to do God's mission. If, if you come with a pen ready in your hand, ready to do your part as a student learner in Christ, like, like if you can take as much as you can from every single sermon and every single prayer and every single worship song, if you come in with these expectations, you're going to be on fire for God. You're going to be legit. That's what happens when we focus and we come in ferocious about the kingdom of God. Like so often pastors wish they could replace all the consumers in their church for contributors. Unfortunately, we say it all the time. Man, we have too many consumers here. We need more contributors. But, but here's, here's my argument. I believe a wiser approach to exhort people, and I want to exhort us as a church, is to not just be um, contributors with the period. No, actually, that's not good enough. But to actually recognize the wisdom in being a consumer first to contribute from a place of wellness and sustainability. Second, sit, sit and consume, walk and contribute, stand. You getting it? Like, let me explain. When I go to the gym, I used to love going to the gym. When I go to the gym, I, I got to make sure that I have the right contribution for my workout. So I got to consume good food. You track with me? If I'm not consuming good food, I'm not going to be able to contribute well in my workout. Therefore, part of being able to activate and to exercise, what I want to do is to have the right caloric intake and hydration when I go into the gym. Well, this is true also with our spiritual realities. Part of being able to activate and exercise your spiritual gift. Pastor, Pastor Brandon, I just want to know my gift. Stop it. I want you to know how to last in your gift, and how to use your gift, not just know what it is. So keep track with me. If you want to activate your gift and you want to exercise your gift in the local body of Christ and around the world, you've got to be consuming the right food, the right stuff from the word of God, primarily from the local church is my argument. We need to be extremely serious about this. Tracking? Like, pay attention. If you are not finishing your plate of spiritual food from the Word of God, like little kids who don't finish their plate, from primarily from the place of eating, namely the church, you are going to be hungry and lethargic when you attempt to exercise your spiritual gifts and to walk them out for Jesus. I'm saying right now, if you are not consuming the Word of God, 
you will not be able to activate your spiritual gifts. Now, some people might say, I don't need to get my primary food from the local church. Like, it's all about my personal time with the Lord, with the God of the universe, me and God, God and I. Um, I want to urge you to consider, if that's your mindset, if that's you, that you're, that, that is a dangerous, dangerous mindset. Because there are a reason why moms and dads prepare food for their children on a weekend and week out basis in the kitchen as opposed to their children doing all the selection for themselves. Think about that in your own home growing up. There's a reason why mom and dad do most of the cooking because we all know how that ends right. We all know how that ends with a kid choosing everything they want when it comes to meals, right? Like that child is not going to have a well-balanced diet. If a child is equipped and given full reign over what they eat, they're going to constantly lean towards their preferences and away from their dislikes. This is not true. This is true. And often the things that they need most on their plate when they eat their meal are the things, namely like vegetables, that they dislike. But a loving parent provides a well-balanced meal for their child, combining what the child likes and wants, but also what the child needs. You tracking with me? Well, this is also true of a spiritually healthy church filled with spiritually healthy leaders or parents. God anoints teachers who are often duly gifted as pastors to prepare good, nourishing food for its people. And my job as the lead pastor of preaching, exhorting, and teaching the Word of God is to make sure that I'm preparing a well-balanced food meal that's going to nourish you for you to consume. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't learn how to eat more and more and to cook more independently as well, right? We want to do both in. Like, let's go back to the example. Great parents and responsible kids, they get to play this beautiful dance in the kitchen. And the older they get, the more the kids can learn the trade of cooking. Aubrey's doing it right now. My daughter's learning how to cook brownies and cook eggs. And so Jillian is, is passing on some of this knowledge. And so over time, the child grows and is allowed to spend more time in the kitchen learning how to cook. But the parent always remains the primary leader of the kitchen. No matter how many things Aubrey learns, even when she's 15, Jillian is still going to be the leader, the primary leader over our kitchen. Jillian's going to steward our kitchen well. And so on a spiritual perspective, we want to do the same thing. As your pastor, I want you to be eating and learning things on your own, but I want to make sure that I'm giving you a good, well-balanced meal every single Sunday that I can. And so here's an important takeaway for you. Our spiritual gifts need to be well nourished by good food from a faithful local church by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? This will be the best recipe for you to find lasting change and success in who God has called you to be. Okay, this is good news. This is good news. All right, let's look at verse 11 and 12 now again in Ephesians. Here it is. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So the question is, how do we get equipped for the work of ministry and life overall? How do we do that? How do we get equipped for the work of ministry and life overall? We do that. We, we've been talking about that. We do that by dwelling and consuming the Word of God. 
period. That's how we get equipped. We get equipped by dwelling and consuming the word of God. Hear me out. Your contribution to the kingdom is directly tied to your consumption of the word of God. Your contribution to the kingdom of God is directly tied to your consumption of the word of God. If you're not eating well, you're not going to contribute well. If you're eating well, you're going to contribute well. Therefore, if you are eating well, your spiritual gifts are going to be strong. If you're not eating well, your spiritual gifts are going to be weak. And if you stop eating completely, you will lose your ability to tap into your spiritual gifts. You tracking? Like, without it, Without the word of God being consumed in you, you're not going to be a good employee, not a Christ-centered one. You're not going to be a good friend, not a Christ-centered one. You're not going to be a good spouse, not a Christ-centered spouse. You're not going to be a good parent, not a Christ-centered parent. Everything falls apart. That's why verse 13 tells us that our aim is to be more and more like Christ. That's why I'm leaning back into the what would Jesus do? How can I be more like him? How can I? What would he do? What would he say? What would he think? Let's, let's see that again. Let's see that again in verse 13. It's going to be on your screen. Until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We got to know who he is. And then we got to mature into manhood and womanhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness. The fullness of Christ. So it may be a good idea for you this season to spend more time in the Bible. Right? Like it may be a good time. In this season, with social distancing, with uh, COVID-19, this is a good time for you to spend more time in the Bible. It's a good time to spend more time in the Bible. I'm personally going through the Gospels right now as I'm spending more time in the Bible. Um, and, and I want to ask you right now, what are you doing? How are you spending more time in this season of this time in the Bible? Let's look at verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes and deceitful schemes. So this verse highlights that the reality is that we need to be grounded so, so grounded in a solid understanding of who God is and what he's saying. That's what this means. You got to be grounded in who God is and what he's saying. Like, hey. You got to take this seriously in your life. You got to take it seriously. You got to be a serious man of God's word. You got to be a serious woman about God's word because you're either a student learner and you're either serious about God's word or you're going to get cucked by this life. You tracking? You're either going to be serious about God's word, and you're going to be faithful to God's word, you're going to be obedient to God's word, you're going to walk out the word of God, or you are going to be slaughtered in this world. By the, by the prince of the air, by Satan and his plans for you. Now, did you know, speaking about verse 14, deceitful schemes and stuff, did you know that most cults and false doctrines and false belief systems are actually grown from within churches, not without? Did you know that? that that's, that's bad news, but it's the truth. Like most cults and false, false doctrines and, and false belief systems prey on immature believers, not non-believers. Non-believers are not preyed on. Non-believers don't even interact with it. They prey on immature believers. Now, they prey upon immature believers because the Word of God says they are tossed to and fro by everything that sounds right to them because they don't know right for themselves. That's why we got to be serious men and women about the Word of God so that we are not deceived. Let's, let's keep reading verses 15 and 16 again. We're building a beautiful, beautiful bridge. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow 
up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we've been called by God to grow up in every way. You track with me? We've been called by God to grow up in every way and our spiritual gifts are an important vehicle that drives that process forward. So we wanna grow up in every way. Our spiritual gifts is how we drive that vehicle forward. So we wanna use our pastoral gifts. We wanna use our apostolic gifts. We wanna use our prophetic gifts. We wanna use our teaching gifts and our evangelistic gifts. And also we wanna use all these peripheral gifts that we're gonna talk about in just a little bit later in this sermon. And the overarching goal is to use our gifts to prepare each person to grow up in every way to be like Christ. In a nutshell, we want to use all these gifts to help each other to grow up into maturity like Christ and to be good givers for the kingdom of God. That's what the whole body grows so that it builds itself up in love part of verse 16 is talking about. Therefore, if you're struggling in any way right now this morning, listen to me, I'm talking to you if this is you. If you're struggling because you're feeling lazy about your time and devotion to the word of God or who you, just your relationship, if you're kind of beat up right now, and you're just, man, you've been through a lot and you're beat up or you're tired or you're discouraged or you're just unwilling and you're just in a sinful season of your life or anything else that's going on, I want you to go back to the spout where the blessings come out, okay? I want you to go back to the spout where the blessings come out. And that's found in God's loving demonstration in chapters one through three. Chapters one through three is the spout where all the blessings come out. Always remember that. You tell your kids, Man, Ephesians chapter one through three is the spout where all the blessings come out. And that's found in God's love, specifically demonstrated in chapters one through three. That's where the love of God can change you and renew you and encourage you and soften you and even rebuke you when necessary. So listen to me, because I just said love of God, right? So the love of God is not some hallmark, gushy, weird stuff. It's not some superficial, sensitive, warm, fuzzy thing. It's a deep, robust, overwhelmingly specific, killing sin type of incredible love that changes everything. That's the love of God. So if you want to be legit at whatever you're doing in your life, like, let's not make this whole spiritual gifts thing too complicated and too mystical. If you want to be legit at whatever you do, if you want to be an amazing mother and father in Christ, if you want to be an amazing teacher or an amazing student in Christ, if you want to be an amazing son or daughter in Christ, if you want to be an amazing leader or developer of some type of a thing in Christ, if you want to be an amazing friend or partner in Christ, you have to activate who you are with the gifts that God has given you and you've got to do them for Christ's mission in love. Then you'll be legit. Then you're going to be amazing. Then you'll be able to be a vessel and an ambassador for the Lord. Then you'll be able to be salt and light to this whole world, then you will glorify God. You have to remember to live in that posture that you get to do all these things. You don't have to, you get to do that. Just don't forget the spout where the blessings come out. So, so, so with that being said, I want you to know that there are three or four places where you can start to get a, a larger, more robust picture of what God has given his people. Now remember, we get talents that are given to us at our birth, and then we get spiritual gifts that are given to us at our rebirth. And right now, we're gonna focus on seeing where all these other gifts um, at the rebirth 
are talked about, okay? So these are the four critical sections of the Bible that cover spiritual gifts. They're on your screen. They come out of Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, 1 Peter, and Ephesians chapter 4. I said again, it comes out of Romans 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Peter, and Ephesians chapter, chapter 4. Now, within these passages, approximately, there's about 25, 26-ish gifts that are laid out. And I'm going to lay them out um, in just a moment on a graph for you to see. And I hope this helps you to see them to see them very, very well. I want you to think through these as supportive gifts, okay? These gifts you're gonna see laid out. Think of these as supportive gifts to the main five gifts or offices that we've already talked about, namely apostles, shepherds, teachers, evangelists, and prophets. These are, these, all these gifts we're gonna see are the other gifts that are underneath and they're kind of supporting these five major gifts and offices. And what you're going to notice is, is that there's some overlap of these gifts that are talked about in different sections of the Bible. Okay, are you ready? I know we've been waiting for this. Let's look at all the gifts that are talked about in Scripture. Here we go. Here are the spiritual um, gifts displayed. So in Romans chapter 12, you see that the gifts of exhortation and giving and leadership and mercy and prophecy and service and teaching are discussed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we have the gifts of administration, apostle, discernment, faith, healings, help, knowledge, miracles, prophecy, teaching, tongues, the ability to interpretate tongues, and wisdom is talked about. In Ephesians chapter 4, right, the major five are talked about. Apostle, evangelism, pastoring, prophecy, teaching, we all have one of those major gifts. And then there's a couple miscellaneous passages that are scattered throughout the Bible. And these are the gifts that are also talked about. Celibacy, hospitality, martyrdom, missionary, and voluntary poverty. Okay, now the list that I've just laid out, in my humble opinion, is as biblically exhaustive as I can do faithfully to the ability that God has given me. That's every single gift laid out from Genesis to Revelations. And now I'm going to take a brief moment to invite you into a really, really cool thought experiment that you're going to do with me. You're going to be writing something down. So within your roadmap, you'll have about two minutes to write down any peripheral gift. So all these gifts right here. So any gift that's, that's talked about on this list that's not from the five major, you're going to write down the ones that you believe you have. If you believe you have one, ten, it doesn't matter. Write down every single gift that you think you have that's on the screen right now. You're also going to write down what major gift you think you have. Maybe you have one, two, or three. I don't know, right? So let me say this again. You're going to write down what major gift you have and what peripheral gifts you have on the section in your roadmap that is provided. I want to see you discern what you believe your gifts may be that God has given you. Now remember, there's still going to be more to come next week, so don't be too hard on yourself. This is just going to be a thought experiment. So go ahead and take a moment to do that right now. You're going to have about two uh, minutes or so to do that, and I hope that you um, just take your time, think well, ask the Holy Spirit to give you insight, and enjoy the music while you're doing so.
Okay, let's get ready to land the plane right now. As we prepare to kind of end this message this morning, I hope that the past couple minutes or so was an encouraging exploration um, for you to explore what God may have gifted you with, with your peripheral gifts and your major gifts. Now remember, there's no need to put pressure on yourself to have it all figured out this morning. That was not the aim. Next week, I'm going to preach and teach as promised each one of them. Believe it or not, I'm going to go through all of these ones, uh, celibacy and, and wisdom and maturity. I'm going to I'm going to break these things down. I'm going to fillet them open. And then you're going to have the opportunity again to do the same assignment. And the beautiful reason why we're doing it today and then next week is I want you to compare and contrast what may shift and move as you gain a deeper understanding of these gifts next week. And so don't lose your roadmap today. You tracking? I want you to keep this paper, put it somewhere safe because next week in your next roadmap, you're going to compare and contrast what you wrote down today and how it maybe alters or changes or improves by next week. Now, here's the last thing that I want to share with you um, this morning, because earlier in today's message, I talked about these, these WWJD bracelets, right? Well, I want to officially encourage anyone and everyone, man, woman, children, everyone within our church to join me in this aim of having this physical reminder of wearing these, these wrists, specific, um, these wristbands, I'm sorry, specifically in this season that we're in, namely, what would Jesus do in everything that I do? That's what this response is about. What would Jesus do in everything that I do? Because remember, part of activating your spiritual gifts, which essentially means, what does it mean to live out your purpose and calling? It means to have the mind of Christ, to do the things that he does, to think the way he thinks. And I want to encourage you to join with me in this kind of like this little, this, this church, kind of our, our church-wide kind of movement at Redemption City Church to have a physical reminder that says, I want to think like Jesus thinks. I want to do like Jesus does so I can prepare myself with my spiritual gifts to use them the way Jesus would have me to use them. So if you would like to get one of these WWJD bracelets, all you have to do is to reply back to the text message or reply back to the email that you got this sermon on. You track in whatever way that this sermon was delivered to you by text or by email, simply reply back that you would like to receive a free WWJD bracelet. And you got to do this by this upcoming Wednesday, April 29th. And if you do that, I would be more than happy to stop by for a quick pastoral visit wherever you live. Um, drop it off. I'm going to drop it off at the door and keep a safe distance and just say a quick hello. Now, if you don't know, we have over 68 faithful listeners in over seven states that have been tuning in to our Ephesians series from the beginning. And so let me talk to you now. If you would like to join Redemption City Church in wearing these WWJD bracelets in this season as you reflect deeper and deeper on who God has called you to be and what Jesus would do, um, we want to get that to you as well. So simply reply back to the test message or the email that you got this on, and we will be more than happy to mail that to you as well. We want you in the game as well. And so just go ahead and, and join us in this really cool anthem of what would Jesus do. Now, as we conclude the sermon, I want to end with this. I want to simply read to you every big moment that we've talked about from today's message that's in your roadmap, okay? Now, watch how powerful this is. Ready? Here we go. It's going to be on the screen. This is literally just me reading your roadmap. Here's the power of utilizing the roadmap. Here we go. We are a people called to lean into the overarching goal to look and smell and act like Jesus in our character and directional decisions as we activate the good gifts he's given us. 
And this requires us as Christ followers to first sit comfortably, confidently under the beautiful weight of chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians. Then we walk and act by faith in a matter that reveals through our actions that we are truly relishing in the reality of who God is described to be in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3. God gave us Jesus. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave gifts to the body of Christ, and the body of Christ in and of itself becomes a gift to itself. Therefore, we are a people called to joyfully activate our spiritual gifts and talents so that we can then be generous in giving them back to God through His mission. We are to recognize that our gifts are not primarily for ourselves, but for other brothers and sisters around us. Our lives get better, not necessarily easier, but better when we focus on our gifts, on our own gifts and talents, not others. That's why our spiritual gifts need to be well nourished by good food from a faithful local church by the power of the Holy Spirit. This will be the best recipe for you to find lasting change and success in who God has called you to be. Therefore, we lean into the beautiful gifts found in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Peter chapter 4, and Ephesians chapter 4, where truth, healing, purpose, and hope are found there. Now, how dense, how beautiful, and how amazing is that? That's the power of your roadmaps, brothers and sisters. Like, all I literally did was read your roadmap all the way through as one long statement. Your previous roadmaps throughout Ephesians have the same power to bring the whole sermon together if you use them well. So I hope that this sermon and future sermons and the roadmaps help you to exercise your experience of learning who Jesus is. I hope that this helps you to gain more perspective on who God is calling you to be. And I can't wait next week to join you for the last segment of this conversation where we kind of fillet open these gifts and take a big step forward in you discovering who you have been specifically and uniquely wired to be and how you are especially gifted to play that out in your life. It changes everything in your life. Let's get ready to pray. Heavenly Father, we stand before you utterly amazed at who you are. You have given us good gifts when we were so undeserved of it, God. We were dead to rights in our sin, in our shame, in our transgressions, Lord, and we were not choosing you. We were walking away from you. Your word in John chapter 3 um, verses 16 through 21 says that we loved and we ran towards the darkness over the light because we did not want our works to be exposed. But praise Christ, your son came and pursued us and chose us when we did not choose him. And because of the blood bought gift on Calvary. He went to hell and he took our sin and our shame and our non-choosing realities of him and he left it all there and he came up with good gifts and that that allows us to uh, Romans chapter 12 have a, a, a renewed mind and a renewed, a renewed life where we can pursue you rightly God. We want to mature 
mature into manhood and womanhood in Christ the way you've called us to do. And we believe by faith that your word says that our spiritual gifts are one of the biggest signs that we've matured. Therefore, I'm praying that every son and daughter that is listening to this sermon would have a robust passion and care to have their spiritual gifts activated because lord living in our spiritual gifts is the greatest sign that we are a mature man and woman of god help us lord to not envy others help us to not be boastful of others but to be radically focused on the quality of the gifts you've given us not the quantity of how many you've given us now this week lord i do pray that we would prepare our hearts and minds to be open and receptive to segment um, C of this conversation, that as you anoint me, as my gift of teaching collides with their ears of listening, that you would anoint me to be able to explain in a simplistic and faithful and biblical way what all these gifts are really all about. And then I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that as I exhort them in clarity, it would land in their hearts, Lord, and that every time we talk about each and every one of them, each son and daughter say, oh, that one's me. Oh, that one's me. Oh, that one is me. And then we would have the confidence to live them out by faith. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.